Because you know it's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about that drought, about that drought, 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 drought. Yeah, it's pretty clear. We're really short on blue. It's time to save it, save it, like we're supposed to do. Some say it's doom gloom and all our grass must go, but together we can make it and enjoy our golden state. It's all about that drought, about that drought, no water. It's all about Good afternoon that and welcome to the Water Zone Show. This is Rob Starwin, your host tonight, and Mike Barron is at the office actually doing some work. So if he's listening in, which I'm sure he is, or watching. Hi, Mike. How you doing? And uh, tonight's our ag night, and uh, we're pretty excited about that. And I'm getting in the mood because I got hungry about hearing who's going to be on the show. And um, we're going to go to our, our co-host here in a second down in our micro-irrigation division. It'll be uh, Paul McFarland and Claude Corcus. But just so everybody knows, we have a gentleman coming on the show named Bob Curtis. He's Director of Ag Affairs for the Almond Board of California. And in honor of that, I have a bag of California almonds made by the snack artist and distributed by Better Living Brands in Pleasanton, California. So during that segment... I'm going to be eating these almonds, and then when we get to the next segment, I got the other food. So, Paul and uh, and uh, Claude, are you guys there tonight? In for uh, Ingi Bisconner, who is uh, unavailable tonight. Ah, okay. Well, Hi, Paul. I'll... How are you? Hi, Rob. Hi. Well, I'll turn it over to you till break time, so uh, have a good show, and I'll be eating almonds. See, here's <laughs> the, if you're watching, here's the bag I'm eating. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Okay, hey, so uh, this is Claude. So as Rob mentioned, our first guest tonight, guest tonight is Bob Curtis. He's the Director of Agricultural Affairs for the Almond Board of California. Bob administers the Almond Board's research program. The board funds research to keep almond trees healthy and productive. You know, almond trees are living organisms, and, you know, like all of us, are susceptible to things like viruses, bacteria, mold, and even bug bites. One of the techniques growers use to control those bugs is to make sure the environment is healthy for insects like, well, like ladybugs, which actually eat the bad bugs that also attack the almond trees. That's a healthy alternative to spraying pesticides. And all almonds start their life as a flower on a tree that needs to be pollinated. So the health of honeybee colonies is incredibly important. The Almond Board funds research into this area also. The research that Bob manages addresses, addresses issues grower encounters uh, during the growing season and also after harvest. And most importantly, make sure that the research makes it back onto the farm. Bob works closely with the University of California and other universities, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, uh, UC Cooperative Extension, and other agricultural organizations and state and federal agencies. Bob rejoined the Almond Board in 2006, where he began his career 40 years ago. In 2013, Bob was awarded the UC Davis Agricultural and Environmental Sciences Award of Distinction. And so we're very honored to have Bob with us tonight. Bob, are you there? Yes, I am. Thank you so much. You bet. Hey, so Bob, we'll start off, uh, you know, with a little bit of your background, if you could. Just, you know, fill us in, you know, a little bit who you are and uh, why is farming such a passion for you? Um, well, um, actually, I did not grow up on a farm, but like many of us, my roots are in farming. My grandfather actually had a uh, ranch, walnut and uh, tree fruit ranch in the Santa Clara Valley, which, of course, is now the Silicon Valley. And I spent a lot of time growing up in the Central Valley, and actually, during the summer times, I did work in the uh, the grape vineyards. I had an interest in ag, of course, given that. And uh, when I went off to school, actually at UCLA, I realized I could marry my interest in science and biology and ag, and 
then uh, went went on to get a, a, a degree at um, UC Riverside in uh, entomology, which of course is the study of insects. And uh, I guess fortuitously for me, uh, I was uh, actually funded by the Almond Board. I was the first graduate student ever funded by them, and then after I finished my studies there, I, I went to work for them as my first job uh, uh, managing and coordinating research. And as you pointed out, I, I certainly enjoy ag. I certainly enjoy uh, the research, but my real passion is making sure that the research advances that improve production practices and, uh, you know, uh, promote environmentally responsible crop production, uh, get to the field and are, are implemented. And I think uh, over the years, it, it, we've got a good track record of making some very substantial improvements. And I know we're going to talk about water use efficiency, and that is, is certainly one big example of that. Uh, Bob, this is uh, Paul McFadden. Uh, good evening. I, I was just curious if you could explain uh, in a little bit more detail, who the Almond Board is and, and what their role is in the in the state. Sure, Paul. Um, in the in the uh, legalistic vernacular, we are a federal marketing order. Uh, we're actually voted in by the industry, and it's in essence a, the Almond Board is a service organization for California almonds, and we do many uh, varied activities. Uh, obviously, uh, a big activity is promoting. Uh, almonds to consumers and markets. Uh, I've already talked about the fact that we do fund research, and it's more than just in ag production. And, of course, we do have extensive programs in in uh, agriculture and getting out to the field, but extensive programs in terms of uh, assuring crop quality and, and uh, certainly getting the uh, good word out about the nutritive value of, of almonds. But uh, you've mentioned some programs. What uh, what kinds of programs does the Almond Board administer for uh, for your uh, members? Well, um, again, we've got the production research. We have a nutrition research program, which has been very important and impetus for increasing demand for almonds because they're a very nutritious product. We have a food safety and quality program, and of course, the one of the big, big efforts over the years has been the marketing and promotion of almonds. Uh, again, I'm in the um, the research area, and uh, again, because we're talking about irrigation research, we have funded over 100 uh, irrigation research projects over a span of uh, 30 years, and these have definitely contributed to uh, our advancement of uh, very efficient irrigation practices. I just read where uh, it uh, it only takes about 33% of the water uh, uh, to grow a pound of almonds, and it did uh, uh, versus uh, 20 years ago. So that's a significant uh, uh, water savings. That uh, you guys are to be commended for that. Yes, thank you. That uh, it's basically we've reduced our our water demand, if you will, per pound of almonds by by 33%, and. Um, don't want to get into too much of the scientific detail on this, but it, uh, obviously there's some key factors to that. Well over 70% of our acreage is uh, under micro-irrigation, uh, and um, 83% of our growers uh, practice different aspects of what we call demand-based irrigation rather than just going out and uh, turning on the water on a calendar basis, and that's 
critically important for efficiency and, and obviously for optimal production. That's uh, that's interesting because I also read uh, where ninety percent of all the uh, orchards in the state of California are family owned, and uh, many of them are multi generational. So, what you're telling us, it sounds like a lot of these family uh, farms are really looking at technology and ways to improve uh, their farming practices, including irrigation, to uh, uh, produce uh, produce more uh, more almonds. Uh, that's absolutely right, and, and obviously these these family farms, these uh, uh, units uh, have a have a long term investment in in almonds. Uh, uh, so many of these are multi generational, and they want to be able the, the people that are running the the farms now want to be able to pass their um, operations in a viable fashion, both uh, from a business and agricultural standpoint. And also uh, an ecological standpoint onto uh, onto the next generation. Yeah. So Bob, you uh, know, uh, we I think everybody in this drought has heard a lot of stories about you know uh, the the water that uh, that are, that's used in the state of California to grow almonds. Um, and so everybody's familiar with that. But I think everybody also eats lots of almonds. So there's tremendous uh, uh, benefits. You know, what can growers do? Uh, what kind of decisions can they make? To, uh, to you know, make sure that they're using water as efficiently as they can. Well, um, you know, you get back to a lot of the components of, of what got us, uh, what was successful, and got us to where we are now. And um, one of the things that uh, the uh, almond board is doing is actually raising the bar. Or our, we have a couple of programs where the the growers can. Um, in, uh, to do a self-evaluation, for instance, and uh, improve their practice based on that. And then also we have another program where we're uh, going to be helping the growers move along what we call an almond irrigation improvement continuum. And uh, obviously the growers are at some point on this continuum, and we've got three different levels. And what we're doing is that we're encouraging them to take a look at where they are and where they can improve and get to the next level so to speak, and it involves, uh, you know, five different key areas in irrigation management, uh, and it even starts off with the basics of uh, more focused irrigation system management, and then, of course, the, the fine-tuning, the uh, another area is fine-tuning their tree water demand uh, based on weather variations. So, and again, there, there are five different components to this, and we are going to be working very closely with our, our grower growers on this, and I can say Definitely, we are going to be doing this in partnership with uh, many um, trusted and respected technical experts, experts and resources that we've worked with over the years. And there's a whole array of folks. We've already mentioned UC Cooperative Extension. There's the uh, Resource Conservation Districts, the USDA, the Cal State uh, University campuses. Uh, and then, of course, we can't overlook the private sector companies and services uh, like the uh, like the folks at Toro. So uh, this is going to be the Almond Board is one source of good information. We are partnering with these other sources, and we encourage the growers to go out and leverage all this to to improve their their water use uh, efficiency. So, so Bob. Uh... Uh, you know, it sounds like there's lots of good information coming out of the Almond Board, and uh, and there's certainly over the last 20 years a 33% decrease in the uh, the amount of uh, water used to grow a pound of almonds is, is encouraging. 
What, uh, what's your opinion on kind of the level of engagement at the grower level? Are they interested in doing this? Uh, are they understanding that they want to, that they need to move forward? Um, or are, are they kind of feeling like, uh, you know, hey, they've, they've accomplished a lot already and that's enough? Well, I, I think there's two aspects to that. One of them is that uh, we, we have, uh, we're in a new era, actually, again, from two aspects. Number one, this drought, going beyond this drought, uh, water availability and, and water is just not going to be the same in the future as it was before. Uh, it is, it's always been precious in California since the beginning of history, but even more so now, both water quality and, and uh, uh, quantity that we've been talking about are things that uh, the growers and the people in the industry are going to have to pay very, very close attention to and be extremely good stewards of that. And, it, it's, and you know, as you well know, there are lots of uh, regulations and initiatives out there as well in terms of groundwater quality, uh, in terms of uh, ground uh, groundwater management, in terms of how much surface water we're going to have available. So water is definitely a, a a precious resource. The other, the other aspect about this is that uh, almonds have been very, very successful. We've grown tremendously over the last ten to twenty years, and we are now the largest uh, acreage crop in California. And we are assuming that role of leadership, and we want to definitely be leaders and role models, if you will, moving into the future. And in particular, one of the one of the one of our visions is to continue to be a crop of choice for California, for our growers, for our neighbors, and, and certainly for uh, the people of California. That's, um, you know, you made a couple of very good points. I'd like to just go back and touch on one, if I could. The aspect of these being family operations, multi-generational family operations, they really have to be doing a good job, and, and as have their their predecessors, in order for these these million acres uh, of almonds to be passed down to the next generation, don't they? That that's absolutely right, and uh, you're right, Paul. They didn't. Uh, we didn't get to where we are now in terms of uh, our size and, and in terms of the quality of our farming operations by not paying attention to these uh, critical issues, both in terms of ag management and stewardship of of the land and the resources. Right. They, uh, every farmer I've ever met intends to have their grandkids and great-grandkids continue to farm the same land. That's absolutely right. There is, uh, it's, it's certainly more than just a business. It's a way of life. Well, well said. I think our listeners would also be interested to know that California provides a very uh, interesting and, and well-suited climate for almonds, that California grows 100% of all the almonds grown in the United States uh, in the sub-Mediterranean climate or Mediterranean climate, uh, and there's very few other places in the world where they grow as well as they do in the San Joaquin Valley. Is that, is that accurate, Bob? That's, that's absolutely right. In fact, uh, you know, there's been quite a bit of visibility about almonds uh, in California and uh, water use uh, during this drought, and the question comes up from the, from the public and the media saying, why almonds and why California? And you're, you're absolutely right, Paul. 
Almonds are a Mediterranean crop. As a Mediterranean crop, there are very exacting weather requirements that go with that. Uh, the first is that we have to have cool, wet winters, but we need sufficient chilling to set our, our flower buds. Uh, that's the first. The second one is that, of course, during bloom, which we're having right now, we want to have uh, during bloom and early nutlet development, we want to have low or no frost, uh, uh, no frost-free period. And the frost in freezes will will knock our our, our crop off the trees. And then uh, we're even particular going into the summer. We want all of our rain in the in the wintertime because almonds are very susceptible to summertime diseases. So we want to have a nice, warm, dry summer. And actually, there are only a handful of places where that meet these requirements globally, maybe four or five across the globe. And, and there are a lot of advantages to the Central Valley of California. We have had enough water resources we have a great infrastructure, roads. We have uh, probably, well, we know we have uh, the best technology and research available in the entire world. So it's just been a happy marriage of our confluence of all these factors to really expand and uh, contribute to the, to the success of the California almond industry. Well, and I know that, uh, that people love almonds. I, uh, I eat them daily or drink them in almond milk or some one, one form or fashion. I'm, uh, I think, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. Well, Rob's eating them right now. He told us uh, during the introduction. Yeah. He's uh, munching on almonds as we, uh, as we talk. If you watch the Ustream, you yeah, can see that's the right. That we're, we're a Mediterranean crop that uh, is part of a healthy Mediterranean diet. So yeah. Right. Show you that I'm still eating the almonds, and I can't get too filled up because I'm waiting to get to the avocado portion. So I'll leave it back to you guys. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, so Bob, I did notice, and I've used some of these, by the way, that there are some really excellent recipes that the Almond Board publishes. Can you share where people can learn more about the benefits of almonds? Sure. Uh, the uh, we have a number of sites. So uh, if you you can Google Almond Board, or you can go to www.almonds.com. And it should you should land on the consumer page. There'll be some links there to uh, to take a look around and then find some great recipes. Excellent. In the uh, in the minute or so left, Bob, is there anything that you would like to uh, share with our listeners about uh, the future of uh, California almonds? Well, as I said, we want to continue to be a crop of choice for California. We're certainly a very nutritious, well thought of food product. And uh, we want to make sure that we retain our future and we lead into the future. So we thoroughly anticipate that almonds are going to be a, a major viable crop for California going into the future. And we're working very hard to make sure that we earn that right for the future and that we are good, responsible leaders for California agriculture. Excellent. Thank you. We really appreciate uh, you taking the time to come and speak with us about a very important crop, not just for the state of California, for but for the nation and for the world. We uh, appreciate your efforts in being good stewards of the resources in the uh, almond industry and, and to uh, say thank you to you and to the board and to all of the uh, farmer members. Absolutely. It's been my distinct pleasure. Could I ask one question? Sure. Absolutely. What, how much revenue, just so our listeners know, how much revenue is brought into California because of the almond industry so people understand about the jobs and the things and, and, and your, well, your whole infrastructure? Um, uh, almonds create uh, 100, over 100,000 jobs in California. We contribute directly to the 
California gross state product, $11 billion. If uh, another number that's out there is $21 billion, if you include all the uh, benefit for the uh, support industries that are aligned with almonds, that's a $21 billion dollar value. So uh, we are a definite significant factor in the California economy. And also I can point out that in the United States, we are the largest export, especially crop in the United States. So uh, we definitely have an economic impact. And you would expect that given the fact that uh, we do now have a a million acres of of almonds in California. But as Paul and I have been discussing, the majority of that acres, it's 6,800 growers, and the majority of that acreage is family farmed. Uh, 90 percent uh, of it, over 90 percent, and actually the majority of that acres is less than uh, 50 acres. Each one of the farms is less than 50 acres each. Excellent. Bob, again, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, and it was a distinct pleasure. Hey, you're back to the Water Zone on KCA 1050 AM. I'm your host, Rob Starr, and Mr. Barron, as I said earlier, Mr. Mikey Pedia is at the office doing work, so um, work on, Michael. Hope you're listening. And uh, Paul and Claude, just so you know, and if you're watching Ustream, I have some holy guacamole and spicy pico and a bag of chips, so I'm getting ready for this section. And uh, I'll turn it over to you. But just to let the uh, audience know, I uh, wanted to thank everybody who uh, went into our website and entered the contest of how much rainfall is going to be for the month of February. The contest uh, entry was on over on the 15th. And on the first week in March on our show, we'll announce who the winner is. They'll get a $100 gift certificate. And depending on where they live, another little special goodie that we'll package into that. So anyway, enjoy the show. I'll be having guacamole and chips and listening to your next guest, Paul and uh, Claude. It's all yours. Great. Thanks, Rob. Uh, our next guest is uh, Chris Dryden. Chris, are you on the line? Yes, I am, Paul. Great, Great. to hear from you. Great. Uh, Chris is the District Operations Manager for Mission Produce and Mission Avocado. Chris graduated from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo with a major in farm management and a minor in animal science. He worked at numerous uh, cattle ranches throughout uh, Wyoming out of college, then managed a number of horse ranches throughout uh, California and the state of Washington, where uh, these uh, ranches included uh, American Quarter Horse Ranches, uh, Racing Quarter Horse Ranches, and Thoroughbred Racing Ranches. The uh, last uh, farm that he managed was the uh, Del Rio Racing Stables, owned by Eugene Klein, the former owner of the San Diego Chargers, where they raised a Kentucky Derby winner, winning colors, and Chris at that time was awarded Farm Manager of the Year. He then uh, transitioned into the field management for Mission Avocados in the southern region, down in uh, Southern California in Escondido. Uh, Chris is now the uh, regional field manager for all of uh, Ventura, uh, uh, which is where Mission is headquartered, in Oxnard, actually. They are currently the largest avocado packer uh, in the United States, and uh, they're number one in the world as far as a marketer, packer, and shipper of avocados. So, Chris, uh, welcome to the Water Zone. Thank you very much. It's a real pleasure, and uh, uh, we did get, I'm in a real good mood tonight because we did get about an inch of rain up here uh, last night. 
<laughs> Excellent. Well, we didn't get anywhere near that amount down in San Diego, but we're real pleased to hear that uh, that you guys got some. I noticed that there's some snow in the Sierras as well, which is good for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, so we uh, we just heard from Paul what you've done, and you made a big transition from uh, from the livestock business to uh, to avocados. Can you give us a little bit of uh, information on? You know how uh, uh, agriculture got into your blood, and uh, and the and the switch that you made from uh, uh, horses over to uh, avocados. Well, you know, I, I was born a city kid in Los Angeles. Grew up in Redondo Beach uh, back in the fifties, and uh, all I did was surf and uh, played water polo and swam in high school and college. But uh, when I was in, a, in grammar school. On weekends, we would go to Griffith Park and all the different areas, Palos Verdes, Torrance, Gardena, Culver City, and they had rental stables there. And we rented horses and took picnic lunches. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the the equine bug got me. First thing you know, besides surfing and water polo, I was competing in horse show events, quarter horse events. I was roping. I was rodeoing. So I got double hooked. And then I went to Cal Poly because of agriculture, my love. And then, uh, you know, I've always believed you talk to talk, you better walk to walk. So I headed for Wyoming for five years, headquartered out of the Pacific corner of it, Jackson Hole, Dubois, Pinedale. And then uh, I got tired of the winters, came back, and uh, got into reproductive physiology in California specifically and um, in horses. You know, artificial insemination, broodmare management, stallion evaluation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, after Mr. Klein sadly passed away, I said, God, this got to be, uh, I needed a change of life. And I was living in uh, Fallbrook. Uh, my sister had a couple of avocado groves, and I got involved with managing those. And then Steve Barnard, who's president of Mission, he and I were classmates at Cal Poly together. And uh, we hooked up one time at a uh, social event, and he said, hey, uh, come with me. And uh, I've got the most exciting thing going. It's called California Avocados, and he had some really big dreams and some big visions. I was 35 years old, and I said, let's go. I've been with him 25 years, and we have never looked back. We have, as I say, we, we have got a lot of gusto. We are a total growth company. That's exciting, Chris. Uh, um, it, it uh, you know, we know that California produces uh, upwards of 90% of all the fresh avocados consumed in the country, and uh, most of those uh, avocados are grown in the small space from San Luis Obispo to San Diego County uh, by 6,000 growers on roughly 50,000 acres. Uh, Tell us a little bit more uh, about Mission and their role and Steve's role in, in, uh, in forming this company and exactly where where is your footprint today uh, uh, corporately and uh, what is what is the company's role in that? Well, our, we're the world's largest packer, shipper, and marketer. And we, uh, of course, California is our headquarters. But to show you, Paul, how this thing has grown, the growth in the industry is 14% a year. When I started with Mission in 1991, 
Uh, NAFTA wasn't in effect, was not here. Uh, people were paying way too much for avocados. They were really a niche market. And the biggest crop that we ever produced in California was 500 million pounds. Today, this last year, we brought in over 2 million pounds of avocados were sold in the United States. The return back to the grower was astronomical because of everybody now. You go into the store, you buy lettuce, you buy tomatoes, and you buy an avocado for dinner. The, but the vision for Mission is, is that we were the first company that ripened the fruit, like tomatoes, bananas, whatever. People didn't want to have to wait for seven to ten days for a piece of fruit to ripen. They wanted something they could eat tonight or tomorrow. So that was huge of what we've done. We are a privately held company by growers, stockholders, whatever, but our vision we have, but what's key about us, we have Ford forward distribution centers. We have eight of them in North America where we ship fruit to it, we ripen it, and we send it out to the major retailers. We also, we're global. We're the largest grower in Peru, 10,000 acres. We're the largest grower in New Zealand. We're uh, two operations in Mexico, which, is, of course, is the largest in the world. But the growth factor, we do not grow enough avocados in California to supply the demand. And that is why we have gone outside and we have gone global. 14% annual growth in this industry. That's pretty impressive. I'll say it... Uh... It, it's interesting too that you mentioned uh, early on and uh, uh, spending living in Fallbrook and managing some small family uh, owned avocado orchards. Uh, I read uh, recently where the average orchard in the in the state of California is about ten acres and is and still in fact family owned. Is that correct? You're absolutely right. We you know ten acres, uh, fifty thousand acres, six thousand growers. Um, it was. It's it's uh it's a niche market, uh, but the growers and, and it's a a push and a tug and trying to put a square peg into a round hole. When avocados were, you know, first started in Fallbrook, and then um, which was the fourth day, and then it, the then the predominantly is the half, which is ninety percent of the market. It was not a major money maker. So they put them on hillsides. They put them where they couldn't put anything else. And all of a sudden, they became so popular and financially so um, much more for the grower to make. I mean, you can make you know $10,000 per acre a year. That all of a sudden, they, they, had, they were trying to put a square peg into a round hole. So we have many challenges now. But here in Ventura County, we're in the top five as a agricultural crop. That is how this crop has grown in our county. Sadly, then we're in San Diego County, due to land values, due to water restrictions, due to different types of diseases, the avocado capital of the world is moving north, and we will be the avocado capital of the world in Ventura County here within the next two years. 
So, Chris, you mentioned some of the challenges you have, and, of course, earlier you mentioned uh, how happy you were to get an inch of rain here uh, uh, last day or so. Um, I assume that uh, irrigation water is uh, and irrigation practices is uh, pretty important to the farming operations in avocados. Huge, absolutely huge. Uh, it is a tropical fruit, and we they need a minimum of three acre feet of water per year. Uh, the water costs, of course, as we all know, have just gone absolutely out of control. We have been in a five year drought in this state. Um, the, but the, the biggest thing is the groundwater management and the amount of drawdown that we have taken, all of agriculture has taken throughout the state. Uh, it's just come back to, to haunt us. Um, we are, Ventura County, could probably, I think it is in the top 10 counties in the nation in the return per acre of what we produce here. We're, you know, $560 million a year in strawberries, lemons, you know, number two, uh, celery, raspberry, blueberries, avocados. It's all contingent on water and now water quality. So if you and are if you're not paying attention to irrigation, you're not going to be in business long. So what are some of the things that you're doing on your farms to help uh, improve the efficiencies and, and make sure that we're protecting both water supplies and water quality? Well, you know it's interesting. When I started 25 years ago with Mission, uh, you couldn't believe how many growers I saw that were flood irrigated. Uh, you know, furrow irrigated on the, on the flat ground. I like. Are you? This is interesting. Um, you don't see that anywhere anymore. Uh, what we are doing today, of course, uh, pressure compensators on every line to make sure your flow from the top to the middle to the bottom is equal. Uh, micro sprinklers, mini sprinklers, uh, huge. When we plant new grows, one gallon emitters at each tree. Uh, we use uh, uh, tape on the side sometimes for the first three to four years, uh, irrigation tape to for the root zone. Uh, we're using drones, actually, to fly over groves and to look for stress. Arometers, tensiometers, soil moisture, uh, root stress zones. Uh, actually, um, we, uh, being a Cal Poly graduate, and Paul is too, have the creme de la creme, the number one uh, avocado, 65 acres producing grove in all of the uh, United States. They're Cal Poly. It is the the diamond in the research of what we're doing there and everything with irrigation, soil management. It's all around water, and we are so proud of it. Our production there is so outstanding, and it's all due to water and light management. Hmm. There's, uh, there's a, a ton of technology that sounds like uh, you've been bringing into the farm. Uh, Absolutely. Is, is that, is that, uh, is that being a Difficult for everybody to to learn is there, have there been some challenges with that? You know what? Not a, not a bit. It's just you know what what has been so tough 
is when you stop and think about agriculture and you go around to all the different, uh, everything in agriculture, wine grapes, uh, strawberries, blueberries, when you look at how many, how much money is in per acre before they ever get their first flat of fruit, you know, here in Ventura County, we have over $50,000 per acre invested in each strawberry block before we ever pick the first flat. $50,000. That's why you can see these guys don't sleep at night. So that's why in San Luis Obispo and in, and in avocados and water, we want technology. We want computers. Uh, Cal Poly, we have the first ever automatic valve in the field. That Now, these are electric valves that we have put in. And we sit there, and when those root zones are stressed, it could be 2 in the morning. It could be 75 degrees with an east wind. And they say, hey, I'm stressed. Give me two hours of um, water. And then it shuts down. Or nutrition. It sits there and says, man, I need some nitrogen. I need phosphorus, potassium. Avocados need potassium, huge amount of potassium. We kick it on, we balance everything. So you sit there and say, wow, you've done it. But you know what? The cost, the return is it only takes a couple extra bins of fruit to pay for it. And that has been the biggest challenge with our growers. You sit there and say, look what you can do. But if you're going to make money, you got to put the money out. So I agree with you that uh, the Cal Poly that we have here in in, uh, in uh, San Luis Obispo is a jewel uh, of a resource for for California growers, not just in avocados but for all crops. But you know, not everybody, not all these other growing regions in the world that you mentioned have a have a Cal Poly. How are uh, the challenges we have here different from uh, some of the other parts of the world? Well, you know that that's a great point. Okay, so we started out. Um, uh, here, and we're in, a, as you know, we're in a semi-arid or desert here in California, the, the land of milk and honey, and I heard your, the deal with the almonds. All my bee guys that bring in bees to me, are, they also have almond groves, and I just, you know, I love the California almond group and what they've done. They're the greatest guys ever, and they've done a great job. Um, Israel is like us, and so they've learned how to manage it. Chile, which was the big bay are in a drought, and they are in real problems with their irrigation management. We have got 10,000 acres of private ground in Peru. They've stuck like, I don't know, two, three, four, five, ten billion dollars in a new water project right out of the Andes. I mean, this stuff, because avocados do not like a lot of salinity, a lot of chlorides, very, very low, like strawberries. Anything above 50 or 60, you get yourself in trouble. So um, there are a lot of challenges. You're right. You know what's interesting, you guys? Mexico, the largest producer in the world, uh, gets 70 inches of rain in their main producing area, but there's no irrigation. It's all on Mother Nature. 70 inches of rain a year. <laughs> so you're looking at us. We We just need 20 inches here this year just to leach out the salts and the soil. That's all we want to do. If we do not get an El Nino here this year, we're in trouble because these trees are not going to set up for next year. They are so loaded up. The ground is so loaded up with salts. 
We have a caller. Uh, his name is Don, and uh, that's for uh, for Chris, if you're ready for him. Don, what do you got, partner? Good evening. Good evening. Well, listen, thanks for the fascinating talk. Uh, the question actually started to form with the uh, the almond expert, but um, you just touched on it a minute ago. My question actually has to do less with water and more with bees. You know, they've been in the news a lot over the past uh, you know few years, um, and with the drought sort of taking center stage, we haven't heard how the how the uh, you know nature's helpers are are, um, are faring these days. And I know that you guys are dependent on them. Can you say a word or two about the health of um, of the California bee population? Well, we've had real challenges, and I. Uh, in the almond deal, it's mandatory you bring the bees, um, and they, the, the, you know, that's key for those guys. And the avocados, it's not mandatory, but we bring them in also, and it's at a different time, of the, you know, about a month later. But the problem they've had is we some of the the chemicals and the systemics. Uh, uh, pesticides that we've used on all the different crops, and we are so varied in California, has come back to bite them. And so they get what they call the collapse uh, hive syndrome. But And, and so but they've gotten really aggressive on taking care of their bees, and it's getting better and better and better. But I tell you what, it's a, you can make a lot of money in the bee business, the honey business, but it's a, a brutal job. Those guys deserve everything they do and everything they make. They work all night long moving bees. It's not a fun deal, let me tell you. <laughs> is the bee population, Chris, Is it? Uh, are we better off? Are we seeing progress or about the same or getting worse, would you say? You know, Paul, I think it's getting... Um, it's like everything else. If you didn't come up with a get more aggressive on your medication to your bees, then you've lost everything. Um, the guys, the, the biggest problem with it, you're not going is pollination. There's nothing to pollinate. There's no rain. All of my bee guys, they go to the ammons and they get 160 to 180 to 200 dollars a hive for the ammons, and they have to have them for the ammons, and they have to have them for the cherries. Then they come down here to us, and that's the premier honey. Then they come down to us, and we get $40 a hive, um, and they're here. And then they used to go in the Sierras or wherever for pollination, but there's no wildflowers anywhere in the western United States for them to work. It's been such a drought. So they're going to Florida. They're going to Montana. They're going to North and South Dakota. Uh because they need the flowers to pollinate. And even with, you know, the high fuel costs and honey, you know, these guys are making $100 a barrel on their on their raw honey. They still have to go out of state. There's nothing here to work. The sage, the buckwheat, the poppy, there's nothing here to work because we've been in this five-year drought. So, um, and that's the way agriculture is. You know, you can be up a couple years and you've got down for a couple of years and that's just the way it is in this business and if you're not tough and you can't stomach it you shouldn't be in this business well, it sounds like the uh the beekeepers are doing everything they can to keep those uh those colonies healthy uh chris we have just a few more minutes left but before we go uh do you think you could uh, you could put your finger on maybe a 
a single biggest obstacle or a challenge that uh, California avocado farmers face uh, to adopt new irrigation or uh, water efficiency technology? You know, I can, and we just, as a group, we need to get more efficient. Um, we have a lot of challenges. We've got food safety. We've got trucking with uh, the pollution factor. We've got every, uh, you know, rural uh, encroachment, cities encroaching in a spray, pesticide, whatever. But water management, number one. Of course, here's the other deal. So you grow it, but you've got to be able to find people to pick it. So we're working through that with all the new, you know, the new programs and hopefully we can get, you know, something done at the border. But water management is key. Groundwater management, you know, depleting these wells. Here in Ventura County, you go down a thousand feet, you've got salt water. You're pumping right out of the ocean. So, um, but we've got to be smarter. We've got to use more technology. We've got to rotate. We just can't waste water. And here's the key. When you talk about technology, it doesn't matter if you're sending a guy to the moon or whatever you're doing. You still have to have a warm body with two eyes, two legs, and two ears to walk those lines, to walk those groves, to be there every day to see what is going on. You've got to be backup. You can be, you know, technology, have a spaceship, whatever. But if you've got to be able to be efficient and water is key, but you've got to have a warm body out there every day walking and looking at it. And that's what people need to understand. 50 years from now, 100 years from now, you're still going to need a human being walking there and making sure that things are being done right. And that is the key. And that's what's exciting. I tell these kids at Cal Poly, you know, Get get your boots on, boys. Get dirty, because those are the kids I I will hire. You want to go play golf? Forget it. I want kids that want to get dirty and want to sit there and do something for the next generation. And the next generation is going to need food. I'm on the board of directors of Feeding America, and we have got a lot of people to feed. And that's what's so exciting about agriculture. We are the number one industry in the world, and I'm proud to be part of it. Yep, and uh, I'll tell you what, we all love eating those avocados. So, so Chris, we're about out of time here, but before we go, can you share with us where people can learn more about uh, Mission Mission Produce or uh, the avocado uh, avocado industry in California? Yeah, go to uh, missionavocado.com or .org. Uh, also go to californiaavocadoindustry.org. And, you know, um, you can learn about you know, where to buy, what to do. We are the exclusive supplier to Ralph's Markets there on ripe avocados. The other thing, you talk about growth in the market. Where do you think the biggest growth in the avocado market is going to be in the next five years? I'm hoping that you know because I don't. Smoothies. (laughs) Smoothies. So there we have it. We have avocado almond smoothies, and we're done. <laughs> I have a question. We will be so healthy. We'll be so healthy. We'll live to be a hundred. 
Well, avocados are used in other things besides food in a lot of healthcare pro- beauty products. Chris, let me ask you a question. Years ago, in another life, I was, I designed a lot of specialty gas delivery systems for neonatal ventilators and for the food business, what was called modified atmosphere packaging. Is that something that your company does with the avocados? Oh, absolutely. We are, we were the very first that ripened the avocados like bananas. I mean, we, we, um, you know, put them in with ethylene gas with, and for four to five days, just like bananas, just like tomatoes. We ripen them because when people go to the store, you say, what do you want? And they say, we want avocado. We can put in our salad or have guacamole for tonight. So modified atmosphere is huge. Absolutely. All right. Chris, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate uh, all that you're doing for us uh, as a community in growing uh, healthy avocados for uh, not just the citizens of the state of California, but for the country. Thank you. Hey, no problem at all. And remember, remember, if it isn't out of California, you want it safe and you want the freshest. California Ag, number one, baby. Thank you, Chris. Hey, Take care, my friend. Thanks, Paul, and uh, and our guys down in MIB and Claude. Appreciate that. Uh, just to let you know about next week's guest, we have uh, California State Secretary of Natural Resources, John Laird, and uh, another gentleman called Russell Robinson. He's the executive director of what's called JNF. It stands for Jewish National Fund. They have helped put together a uh, program with uh, the State of Israel and California, and they're having a summit on March 3rd. Uh, uh, March 2nd, actually. It's uh, called the California-Israel Water Summit up in Beverly Hills. <clears throat> and we're invited, and uh, I understand there's lots of diplomats that are going to show up at that, so we get a chance to interview them, so we're excited about that. Anyway, we'll, uh, go back to the, our regular program. Thanks again to all the people who entered into our, our radio contest for the uh, guessing amount water that you did or that would have in, in the month of February. We appreciate that. And uh, we want to thank all our sponsors uh, for the show. And, again, thanks to Paul and Claude uh, for joining in. And, and Mikey Pedia, if you're still listening and still at work, go home and see your bride. And, uh, again, thanks to Don calling in. Uh, again, anybody that has any questions about irrigation, whether it's for the residential commercial side and or for the agriculture word, go to Toro. Watersmart.com, and there's a uh, entry that you can uh, leave a message for us, and we'll certainly get back to you uh, a, a very shortly on that, usually within 24 hours, and uh, uh, we'll make that happen for everybody. And uh, we're excited coming up for the next couple of weeks. We have lots of good guests, as I mentioned, the two coming up the week after. But um, we have our new DIY guy, uh, uh, Richard Daigle. And uh, he'll be doing a lot of things and answering questions. So, again, we appreciate everybody uh, for joining. And uh, we'll see you next week. So everybody have a good weekend. And we'll talk to you next Thursday.